All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with another episode of The Authority Project. And I have, I hope I can get this name right, Jose Kiros. That's what I want to say. Is that yeah, right? you landed it, man. You landed it. It was a little shaky of a landing, yeah, but you yeah, landed yeah. it. <laughs> he is here to help us. He says, what is it? To help us. Well, his thing is, why speaking is the most powerful way to build authority. So we're going to talk about speaking today. Is that correct, Jose? hundred percent correct. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate I, I Well, we shall definitely see. We shall see on this current episode of The Authority Project. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, feast your eyes and tune your ears. It's that time again. We are live with another episode of The Authority Project. It's the video podcast streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope, where we talk to digital marketers, business coaches, and creators of all kinds on how they've built authority in their field and how you can mimic their success. Developing authority, building your audience, and attracting better clients to your own business. Now, without further ado, let's bring to the virtual stage your host, Brian S. Arnold. All right, it's another one, guys. We are talking... With Jose Carlos and we're talking about speaking today, speaking, getting on the stage and sharing your message. We have a whole lot today that I want to cover. Jose, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing very well, man. Like I told you off air, <clears throat> I'm in this celebratory phase of love. My buddy just got married and so just yeah. meeting the families and the culture. So I'm doing very well, man. How are you? Very good. I'm doing great myself. Great peaceful day and we're going to get started but before we dive in actually tell us who you are jose personally and then professionally sure i it kind of blends the two together i don't consider myself an entrepreneur i consider myself an immigrant and that becomes the lens that i put anything towards so when looking to figure out what i wanted to do career wise what i wanted to do for a living it be the the presence of immigration keeps kept being in mind because with an immigrant you have to make your own opportunities, right? Your job, the jobs aren't allowed for you if you're an illegal immigrant. So you got to go build them, create jobs, do this and that. And so that has been the fuel behind everything that I've done. I come from a family owned business background. All my family in Mexico has storefronts and businesses. My father started a janitorial company in the States when he was 40, generated 1.3 million at 55, working seven days a week, cleaning bathrooms and stores. And we were right there with them going to clean clean a store before you go to high school or you do whatever the case may be. And so that kind of has influenced everything I've done. And then I went to college. I worked for his company for a little bit, but I really wanted to get into the corporate world. I really wanted to get into digital. I did had an intern position. I actually did an interview with the Sharkpreneur podcast. And the title of it was bringing an immigrant work mentality to big brand digital. And that's kind of how I got my cat, my, my start in corporate. I, I would work like an immigrant. I was happy to be in an office with AC and I didn't have to be in the sun or screw or, or picking up trash. <laughs> I did that for about four years and then I branched off and I did my own thing. I started my own agency. It was, I was servicing two types of client, local folks and corporate. And around two years into doing that, I figured out, I think my effort is best set into corporate because or corporate or regional national businesses, the local businesses, we can make a big impact, but my 
field of expertise was to take a company doing one of 5 million online, take them to 50 million, rather than someone who's just trying to understand how you can generate traffic through a website or bring in customers, things of that nature. So since then, I've been doing a lot of digital strategy work for big brands. I have a partnership with an amazing brand strategy agency that's global. Under their partnership, we've worked with the likes of Mini Cooper, Burger King, Paramount Studios, and we have big companies um, coming in internationally now trying to go to market strategies with digital and all that good stuff. So it's been a crazy ride. I feel like it's barely been chapter one. <laughs> so we got a lot to go. Awesome. awesome. Do you have any current projects at the moment that you want to share at all? Yeah. So we do. Yeah, so we do have NDAs in place, so I can't drop names or anything of that nature, but we do have a a platform as a product project working on right now where we're really we're trying to help a nationwide museum try to figure out a way to bring in digital revenue because obviously foot traffic has diminished and really just to set them up for a longer play, also to expand the brand globally, really going into that digital field. We also have a couple clients coming in from Asia who are trying to break in we have one from Asia and one from Paris trying to break into the market. They're very well-respected in their own region, right? And generating anything from 1.2 to $2.2 billion in revenue, but they want a chunk of the U.S. market. And yeah. so there we're analyzing not only the tactics, your Amazons, your e-commerce, your whatever digital channels you're going to use, but also understanding what is the mindset of the consumer versus what you guys are doing in your country to what's expected in, in our country. And so a lot of really falls into consumer insight, finding those emotional leverage of levers for the consumer and then figuring out what's the type of content and, and content play and digital play that you're going to need to do in order to entice those folks, build that rapport, build that trust and make them consumers. Awesome. Awesome. And then last, one last question before we really dive in here. What is your daily routine, if there is one? <laughs> <laughs> there is. So I'm a bit of a hybrid guy, man. So I, I think routines are extremely important, but life doesn't always allow itself to routine, right? So I have my benchmarks of things that I want to get done during the day, and then I adjust accordingly. Fitness is definitely one thing. To me, fitness is like eating, sleeping. It's just part of my human nature that I need. So I love to do it first thing in the morning. Like example, this morning, I've had a lot of meetings with teams, so we haven't got a workout in, but I have my pre-workout right here. So after this call, we're, we're hitting the, the workout. So yeah, workouts, definitely want to spend some time outdoors, especially when there's sun, walking, skateboarding, just doing something physical, reading, and then obviously managing projects, managing teams. It really helps to, I'm not as stringent as other people are, but it really helps to try to think of it either early morning or the night before to say, okay, what are those those needle driving tasks that I have to do? Do I have client presentations? Do I have sales calls I have to make? Uh, do I have business opportunities that I have to meet? And then kind of work backwards from there to say, okay, then what are the things that my team needs to take care of? Posting on social, coordinating, doing et cetera, et cetera. There you go. All right. I like that. See, this guy's about his business. So we're, we're, we're all set. See, so you got the background there. I want everybody to get that. Okay. So now let's get down to business because the topic of the day is why speaking is your platform of choice for authority. Tell us why that is. Well, because nothing gets communicated without speaking. And especially in B2B, right? When you're talking about these bigger deals, belly to belly is where it's at, right? They get to see you. They get to look at your eyes to see, are you our authority? Do you have the confidence in what you're saying? Can you give me examples? So there's a lot of things. I think to backtrack a little, it all goes down to the psychology of the sale. People are going to be asking themselves. They're going to have objections. They're going to have inquiries, questions, concerns. And really, as you speak, and the more you speak, if you're good at it, <laughs> you're able to meet those objections, 
provide examples that are contradictory in those objections and really walking someone through that no like trust factor almost immediately and the more they spend time listening to you the better off you are so when i say speaking i'm really talking about speaking on stage is one of my favorites and it's the one i highly prefer and recommend but we could talk about podcasting we could talk about clubhouse we could talk about doing lives any way shape or form where you can have enough time and a platform where you can spill your expertise meet those objections and the more people are listening you're just convincing them of the sale all every single minute that yet that you're speaking to them yeah okay so great so obviously in the prior time of our lives <laughs> speaking on stage would have been the platform that we would be talking about mostly the actual physical platform we don't have that now. So why don't we just go, because we, we can go a different directions. You said Clubhouse, you said virtual, obviously, podcasting. All kind of have their little thing as far as speaking. So how does one start from scratch where you want to start putting out your message, putting out your, you know, what you do and so forth? How, how, how do you start from scratch? If you can tell us from there. How do we yeah, start? That's, yeah, that's a great question. So I think I would preface that by saying speaking is the most powerful way to build authority if you have the credentials to back up what you're saying. So starting from scratch, <laughs> let's make sure you got the right case studies. You actually provided results for people. You've actually done great work, right? Things that you can express. So that's the first thing of it all. Now, if you're talking about, okay, great. I have that. I got expertise. I've been in, in the, I've been in the game. How do I get in front of people? You're going to want to go to good old classic press pitch. Right. A good old one pager of this is who okay. I am. Bring in some personal. This is what I stand for. This is my background. These are the other places that I have been featured on. If you haven't been featured on, you're facing a little bit of an uphill battle, but it's no big deal. If you can really rely heavy on your credentials, rely heavy on your story and make sure that it's compelling to someone when they're getting introduced to you. One of the cool things that my PR person and podcast booker does is she always has a section whenever she's sending out my, my press kit to people of certain nonprofits or things of that nature that I stand for. So for me, for my example, personally is the dream act. I, I am a dreamer. I fell into that. I was born in Mexico in Orizaba and I was here at two years old. And part of the credentials to get the dream act was to have these, you've been in college, you went to school, you, you resided in this country, et cetera, et cetera. So the dream act falls really in line with me. And that's one thing that we'd like to lead with, with that. Not only am I showing you my credentials and what I do on a digital standpoint, but I'm also telling you, Hey, look, here is some more social conscious aspects of this individual as well. Yeah. How to get started, get your ducks in a row, prepare all the results that you've done. If you got some client testimonials, if you haven't been featured on other avenues, stages, virtual events, podcasting, then bring in client testimonials, you know, bring in things that are going to speak for you. And then at that point, it's uh, good old hit the ground running and just start reaching out and just trying to make those contacts, those networks, get it where you can fit in. Uh, virtual events are huge right now. They're always looking for speakers. So that's another way to get into that too, is looking at what are their virtual events going and is there a place for me? I love that. So I like how you detailed that you need to have some credentials ahead of time. Can you just be speak, can you just dive more into that? Like, because I've had some people on the show where you want to be listed somewhere or like you said, have some results. How did we get to the point where we have the confidence to say that we're, we're good enough to be on a stage? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and I still to myself, right, when something's going to happen, I think to myself, <laughs> Am I, should I be here? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that, that's just natural human instinct. Honestly, with one great case study is enough to kind of get you going. It really depends on kind of all comes full circle in marketing, right? It's all about the niche. So who am I trying to talk to? What is the credentials or the expertise that I have? 
and who is the perfect audience for that, right? For example, I get invited to speak on a lot of uh, retail and e-commerce type of events, right? So how can retailers leverage digital or e-commerce to increase sales, to improve logistics and supply chain and shipping and customer experience, et cetera, et cetera. That works very well for me because I have a retailer under my belt. That's a great case study. And so I'm able to go in with that. I have also done speaking on B2B sales. And so then I show work that I've done with either B2B software or B2B agency work and say, look, this is what I've done on that front. So one case study is enough. But again, you're going to have to define where does this case study fit? What niche does it fall in? And then let me double down on that. And then obviously, as business progresses, different things come in, then you can kind of prepare those. And then hopefully you can get to a point where you have multiple industries, multiple different services and business and case studies under your belt that then you can hybrid and either go on a grander, more umbrella-like stage, right? All digital marketing rather than these specific yeah. niches. But until then, find your niches, keep digging in keep hitting stages, keep chatting, and you'll start to see that snowball effect of people reaching out. Now, are, are you a fan of just going on stages for free? Do you have a price point for different stages? I guess that's got something to put out there. Yeah, that's a great question. I think if you're starting off, hey, if you got to do it for free, do it for free. I mean, I've done plenty of them for free and I've never seen them as for free necessarily because one, I'm going to learn a lot just by experiencing it, just by being in front of people moving and shaking and doing my thing. That's already given me more than someone could have paid me in experience, right? Yeah, right. And then the second one is, it's been very rare that I've done a, a speaking engagement and haven't walked away with at least one client. So even though the speaking gig's not paying me, the individual and the audience is going to. And yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. If you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you can pick and choose and ask for a budget or a compensation, then by all means, get your money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the actual details of being on the stage. How does one make their presentations like not stuck, not suck. Yeah. You know, how, how does your presentation stand out from the pack so that you're better than the rest? I've been finding this consistently in my life where I always go to the primal of everything. And so my very first primal answer to that is narratives. People remember narratives. They remember stories. They're not going to remember the, hey, I my client got a 103% increase in e-commerce revenue. Hey, uh, conversion rate went up 5.5%. But they are going to remember, let me tell you about a struggling retailer that I met. They were four years into e-commerce, a massive, very successful retail side of the business, but they just could not get e-commerce right. So what did we do there? You're bringing the emotion, you're bringing in the appeal and then you're engaging people. And so narrative is going to be number one. Number two is going to be value. So making sure that you're giving value, you're giving some tactics, some methodology, some best practices, something that people are going to say, oh, I got to write that down. Or let me take a screenshot. Let me take a picture of your PowerPoint, right? To me, I encourage those things because what I'm doing is I'm engaging with the audience. And then the third one, which naturally falls in engagement of the audience. There's a book by Jay Abraham that talks about getting inspired by different businesses in different industries in order to accomplish the same goal. For example, fandom, right? If you want your brand to build fans, you then think to yourself, well, how do celebrities and entertainers build fans, et cetera? So when I look at being on stage, I also think of the best concerts that I've ever been to. And Mumford & Sons breaking the fourth wall and engaging with you or going from the big stage to the intimate stage on the back of the thing. And it just gets people out of that and looped in. There's things of that nature that you can leverage to keep people engaged, keep them enthusiastic. But at the end of it, you want to bring value. You have to bring an expertise to it because speaking on stage at a conference, unlike a 
concert is value driven is I want to learn, entertain me, but I'm here to learn while the other one is just entertain me. If I learn cool, but I'm just here for fun. So yeah. <laughs> I got it. I got it. So are you into like great designs in your presentations, like a good PowerPoint? Or do you think it's just like you said, it's just the narrative that works the best? Well, you know, it, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Sorry to cut you off, but a uh, uh, great design is amazing, but it's not necessary, right? It's a great cherry on top of the sundae. It's a crispy bow tie at the end of your tux. Like it's nice and it's and it gives that extra, but it's not necessary. I've seen people kill it on stage with one word or one sentence per slide, right? Okay, and it's just yeah. something powerful, <laughs> something that either gives you value or something that just gives you a perspective or a mind shift. They hit you with it overall. And one of the things too within that is sometimes people get a little too dependent on the slides. So don't get dependent on the slides. Don't put in the information that's valuable to the slide, quick summary, and then vocalize that. And then the final thing within the slides I would say is don't underestimate the power of a really good question. If you can put a really good, engaging, thought-provoking question within the slide and you're chatting, you're going to get credit for all the amazing answers that everyone in the room is thinking because you posed the question. And again, great design is not necessarily, it's not 100% needed. Does it help? Sure. But you can definitely kill it without it. Okay, so great. How do you close, my friend? How do you close on stage? What is your best call to action that we should implement, you think? In your humble opinion. In my humble opinion, uh, it, it really does depend, obviously, on the audience, right? And then what the goal of the thing is. I like to always open, I like to kind of lead it with like a professor style. Meet me after the presentation if you have any questions. If you want any guidance, I'm open for office hours, meet and greets. Because really, speaking on stage is you marketing. You're bringing awareness, you're prospecting, you're, you're throwing everything out there. Right, right. The low funnel is off stage. Meet me backstage, meet me at the side, meet me at the cocktail hour. Tell me what you liked about the presentation. Ask me your questions. Great. Oh yeah, I can definitely help you out. What's your contact information? Let's stay in touch. Boom. So again, another reason why I think speaking is hands down the best way to do this thing because you're running a campaign in real time, you're mm -hmm. prospecting in real time, you're qualifying in real time, and you're converting people in real time. Great. That's great stuff. Yeah. Fear of getting on stage with Get all of these it. eyeballs staring <laughs> back at you, which is kind of weird because you, you see the eyeballs on a physical stage. You don't really see those eyeballs really unless you're doing a Zoom which is sometimes even worse to me. We're doing a Zoom and you can see people actions from where they are. But how do you address fear? You plow through it, honestly, man. <laughs> because I, I, I'm extroverted. I love being on stage. I come alive on stage. But there's always that three minutes before you hit stage. And it's, it's never five minutes. It's always three. Where all of a sudden my stomach's turning and my palms are getting a little sweaty. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, what was I going to say? Was I going to that? So there's always that. And you embrace it. You try to tell yourself, maybe you give a prayer. Maybe you say, yeah, you got this kid. Let's do this. And then you go and you hit it. When you're on there and because you're mentioning the eyeballs of people, sometimes it could be distracting, right? Someone's not paying attention or I love stand-up comics. And, and so some, sometimes they'll say, you're, you got the whole room laughing and there's one person right there, the yeah. serious face, <laughs> and they just take you out of your whole zone. I've sometimes called them out not in a bad way, but engage them, right? See something that they got going on and say, sir, in the blue plaid, what, what would your thoughts be on this? Or, oh, hey, blue plaid guy, he gets it. He knows it. 
and then it comes up. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so sometimes facing fear head on that it works. Uh, I think you have to have a certain thick skin, and you definitely have to bring some charisma. To Another thing too, sometimes depending on the situation, I've said to myself, well. I got these people locked in, so I'm gonna just focus my value towards them. And if these other individuals catch something, great. If they don't, so be it. And it's funny because I've had times where someone comes up to me that I thought was totally zoned out or just not in it. Maybe they were they felt a little too busy. They were on their laptop or doing something. And then when I talk to them, it turns out that they were just taking notes vigorously. So that it's it's becomes a mental shift, right? Because at that point you think to yourself, well, maybe they're not ignoring me. Maybe they're just so enthusiastic about this that they have to write down every single word. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of mental stuff you have to shift through it. And unfortunately, there's no other way around it but to do it and practice makes perfect. So just to confirm, you saying speaking on stage, virtual or otherwise, is a skill that everyone should acquire. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Especially if we're talking about building authority. And now if you started a brand or a company, you can have your senior management go speak for you and build authority to the company. You don't necessarily, you yourself as the founder or CEO have to be on there. But if you're building authority within your own personal brand, speaking is, there's nothing else that can beat it. I personally think that every other tactic out there is just trying to do what speaking does, right? You're just trying to find the best way to communicate it, right? If it's a podcast, if it's clubhouse or virtual events or whatever, you're just trying to get people to pay attention to you for X amount of period so you can get some business. And that's what speaking right. is. All right. So can you give us a quick summary of what summary of what we started? Because I know you, I'm just going to try to figure it out myself, but summary of how from start to whatever, start to stage, I guess. So oh, I like that. Start to that. stage. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like a like a framework to sell. Start to stage blueprint. Your start is uh, get, get your ducks in a row. Get your credentials right. Get your expertise right. If you are at the very beginning stages and you don't have anything to back for it, then go get those, right? Go get some case studies. If you got to do free work, do what you got to do. But the first thing is build up that credential deck, then compile that in a way that's that you can communicate it. That's going to show personality. It's going to show more than just the business side of you. It's going to show a little personal. It's really going to make a compelling argument of why you as a speaker should be X in this podcast, in this virtual event, in this speaking conference, whatever the case may be. And then after that, good old patience and persistence, networking, making calls. If you have, if you're fortunate enough to hire a team member, like I have, you know, my booker, then great. It's something you can outsource to that individual. And that individual should be able to help you strategize in the best way for you to communicate your message. So then once you have all that, then you're getting your bookings. Be as flexible, as patient, as understanding, as giving as possible to the individuals who are giving you the opportunity. Again, be it a podcast or a conference or whatever the case may be. I had uh, one conference that I did where I was set for two panels, ended up being on four altogether because people were falling off. And I was so engaged with the booker that she kept thinking of me as people would fall off. Hey, canceled last minute. Would you be up for it? Heck yeah, I'm in. And then at the <laughs> end of it, thank you so much. You've been so helpful. You've been there, et cetera, et cetera. So you want to make sure that you're giving it your all. And then once you get on stage, remember, it's all about the audience. It's about engaging them, educating them, and keeping and, and just keeping that relationship going. Added as an internal factor for you is your sales. You got to understand your sales points. You got to understand what you're trying to do here. Not only are you educating, but then you're also building your expertise. You're building your skill. You're marketing, you're selling in this whole point too. So you're going to want to craft that. You're going to work on it a little bit. If you're natural at it, great. If not, get some acting lessons, get some of this, you know, something that's going to get you in that groove and then make sure to follow up. The follow-up is very key. And that's following up with people you met at the conference, whether they like you, they came 
came up to you or type of thing, or even the people who put on the conference. I mean, even the sponsors, once you start getting engaged with people and follow up with people, more opportunities will come up, right? Right before COVID, I had I'd done a speaking gig in Long Beach. That led to getting booked for a speaking gig in New England, led to a speaking gig in Arizona. They didn't happen because of COVID, <laughs> but they happened virtually, but not in, in physical. Yeah. But again, it's just a perfect example. If you're coming in and you're just giving it your all and you're coming in with positivity and supporting and you're bringing that value, by nature, people are going to say, we need you on more stages here. And then there goes your trickle effect. What am I trying to say? Awesome. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> awesome, dude. So I have to ask this question before my, before I get to my very last question, I have to ask this. What is up with Marvel Comics, dude? Tell us about Marvel Comics. Can you give it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's what's yeah, yeah. your obsession with this? I see that. I see that all over the place. What's going on there? Yeah. I collected Marvel Comics as a kid on and off cousins and things of that nature, but I wasn't, I, I couldn't say I was 100% nerd fandom into it. Later on, Avengers cartoon series came out and I was really digging it. And then I really dug it when they did this whole cinematic universe. Yeah. You had a 10 year plan of a franchise <laughs> to say, okay, I'm going to hit these people with this flick and this flick, and I'm going to tie it in here. And then I'm going to bring in all these. To me, it was just a very well-crafted long-term you know, franchise. Some of them were good. Some of them were okay. Some of them I won't watch again. <laughs> yeah. Your Thor one. No, thanks. Yeah. Iron right. Man two, probably not. Um, <laughs> so yeah, man, I just really loved it. And really my favorite is Spider-Man. And I, one, I didn't know, but that's Stan Lee's most personal character. Yeah. Um, it's the more realistic character of them all, I guess. And I really liked it because throughout my career, I've been kind of feeling like that. Like the kid with the special talent who's coming into this group of individuals and I'm trying to prove myself and I'm just working at it and I'm trying to do my best, but I got other obligations, things that Uncle Ben has left me with, things that my aunt has left me with. And so it just became this this thing, this character that's just kind of encompasses things for me, man. I knew I knew it was going to come back to somewhere personal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome. So I love that, man. I'm a, also a Marvel Comics guy for sure. I do a little DC, a little bit here and there, but I love I love a lot of characters from Marvel Comics, to be honest. I mean, I always like the Hulk. I'm a Doctor Strange guy for real. I love Doctor Strange. Love, I love Iron Man, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I think Ant Man is one of the the like underrated dudes. Oh really? I'm not really I'm not really into Ant Man that much, but yeah. Well, I like him because you can go mini and just go micro level and control ants and stuff, and then you can go giant. Like this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. DC, I actually I really like DC as well. I'm a little disappointed in in I feel like they could have carved a really awesome niche for themselves cinematically. They could have dug into a little bit more darkness and working on it. They were there. They'll figure it out. They're, they're, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get to our last question. So we can get out of here. And it goes something like this. I access to all of my guests. And it goes something like this. People are watching you now. They're listening to you later. And they have similar goals, similar interests, maybe similar journeys as well. And they want to do the things that you're doing, Jose. They want to be on stages. They want to influence people. They want to make an impact in the world and share their message just like you are. Can you show them, as we know that, this is what you say is the best way to really build your authority. Can you show them how to be an authority in this space, how to really make it big by speaking on different stages? So what comes to mind when you say that is this lesson I learned from my film class, which was the more unique you make a character, the more universal it becomes. 
there's, as you mentioned, there's people who are listening who have the same goals. They want the same trajectory. They want to kind of follow in these paths. Understand that it doesn't happen overnight. Understand that there's patience and persistence and your day-to-day doing this here and sharing knowledge and being able to bring you in is kind of a crash course of everything that happens behind the scenes that people don't see. So take it day by day, try to speak as much as possible. I've gotten great clients by speaking at a local event with 50 to 100 people who are local business owners or regional business owners. The more you do those, you'll end up at this point where you're speaking on stages of 500, 1,000 people that are your target. But it doesn't happen overnight. You have to have these different stages, these different moments, and it all adds up in the end. Patience, persistence, analyzing, being really conscientious on the subject matter, on the stage itself, and what it is that you're trying to do. And again, give it time. Time is for sure. I love this. I love the phrase time is on your side, but not really, right? <laughs> time, time is on its own side. Right. <laughs> We're all just trying to catch up to it. Yeah. Right. Awesome. This has been great, man. Jose, you're a beast, man. This has been wonderful. Thank you for the content. Thank you for your value today. And please tell people where they can find you after the show. What's the best place? Sure. The best place you can find me is on LinkedIn. Frictionless as possible. Check me out. Send me a message. I am providing guidance sessions, free guidance sessions. I've found that the established business owners that I work with, these regional guys or national business owners, are trying to leverage digital, but it's a little overwhelming. There's a lot of sales material out there. Everyone's telling you that their funnel works, that their strategy works, et cetera. And so I'm really just trying to guide you in the right direction. And that always starts with what's the goal of your organization? What's your overall company or branch strategy? And how do we leverage digital to scale that, meet that, facilitate that, make it efficient, et cetera. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Jayquiroz, J-A-Y-Q-U-I-R-O-Z, or Jose Quiroz Digital. You'll, if you type that in, you'll stumble on there too. The website is J-A-Y-Q-U-I-R-O-Z.com. And I also have a podcast called The Where to Market Your Business Online. You can find that on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Love it, man. There it is. There it is, folks. We are out of time, but I appreciate I, I know you got a lot. Of, we get, we, we, we put a lot of stuff in there. Okay. S-T-U-F-F stuff in there. So if you not hear everything, run it back and check the replay, check the podcast later to, to listen further. And I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Anything, any last words before we get out of here? No, just patience and persistence. And I appreciate uh, you having me on here. And I just hope that I can help someone out there. Awesome. And people just really quick, get on that Get on the authorityletter.com, help you build your authority platform. I got a three-part video series on there with real, trust me, real talk letters each week and some, sometimes videos, sometimes more videos. And it's fun, it's crazy, it's it's easy. So you don't have to feel overwhelmed by it. Get on that, sign up for that, authorityletter.com. And I am calling this a wrap. Everybody, take care. Remember, build it, share it, and they will come. And we're out of here. Peace. And that's a wrap for this episode of The Authority Project. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, we want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and give an honest review. Share and tell your friends so they can hear too. And for even more authority-building tactics, be sure to sign up at theauthorityletter.com. Get free weekly content and ongoing digital product giveaways to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. We certainly hope you got a key takeaway or maybe an aha moment from today's broadcast. Just remember, it's your authority. Build it, share it, and they will come. Until next time.